Hey, hey guys, uh, what do Spongebob, John Travolta, and Indiana Jones all have in common? Um, I have no idea. I don't know. A Dungeons and Dragons spell! Listen to find out! Welcome to Arcane Explained. Today we are talking about Abi Dalzim's Horrid Wilting. My name is Matt. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Lewis. Together we are going to break down this 8th level necromancy spell. Kirsten, would you like to read it? I would love to, Matt. Whew, okay, so today we have Abi Dalzim's Horrid Wilting. I think that's how you pronounce that. We're, we're, you know, close enough. Um, it's an 8th level necromancy spell, as we said. The casting time on this one is one action, so pretty basic. Uh, you have a range of 150 feet, and the components are verbal, somatic, and material. For the material, for this spell, you need a bit of sponge, which will make a lot more sense after we get to the description. Uh, and the duration on this spell is instantaneous. Now, the description on this is, You draw the moisture from every creature in a 30-foot cube centered on a point you choose within range. Each creature in that area must make a constitution saving throw. Constructs and undead aren't affected, and plants and water elementals make this saving throw with disadvantage. A creature takes 12d8, which is a freaking lot, 12d8 necrotic damage on a failed save, or half as much damage on a successful one. Uh, any non-magical plants in the area that aren't creatures, such as trees and shrubs, wither and die instantly. And so that's kind of a new one that was um, reintroduced in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, but it was in a, a previous edition, right? Absolutely. Thank you for reading that. Uh, that is a lot of damage. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, I believe, first introduced either in 3rd edition or 2nd edition. Uh, it was hard to, to actually track that down. But Abi Dalzim is a wizard from the Greyhawk setting, and uh, we asked Jim uh, Davis of WebDM uh, if he knew anything about this uh, wizard, and he sent us a link, which we will uh, share with, uh, with you uh, in our show notes and stuff. Seeing how this is the first spell we're going to talk about, I kind of want to say verbal, meaning spoken out loud, somatic, like hand gestures and movement, and material, something that you actually use in the casting of the spell. And so that is the combination of the spell. So you are saying something out loud, you are moving your hands and arms in a way while holding on to or using a bit of a sponge in some form or some fashion. I was just going to say, I think that's important to point out for those very new to Dungeons & Dragons. You'll either have one or all three of these uh, components to a spell. So the verbal, somatic, or material. And this one in particular has all three. Um, some is just verbal. Some it's a combination of verbal and somatic. And some it's, like I said, uh, it just could be a combination or variant of the three. So I actually want to talk about, since we're doing the description, uh, 150 feet is pretty much the max of a spell from what I've seen. Would y'all say that's correct from what you've seen as well? Without like any benefits from classes or features or magical weapons or anything like that, then yes. Yeah. Especially as far as like attack spells and things like that, because technically, was it message that you can send to like basically anybody on your plane? I uh, believe it's sending. 
Sending, okay. Yeah. yeah, sending, you could send it to basically anybody on your plane, but that's just a message, and they still have to be on your plane of existence. Like, it's it's really hard for you to do it outside of that. Right. But as far as attack spells go, like something, or even buff spells, that's that's really, really far for, for a spell like this. Yeah. I mean, like, some of the uh, Eldritch, what are they called? Invocations. Evocations, or whatever, those things uh, that warlocks get, I forget the exact term. But Eldritch Blast can be, like, shot like 200 feet something like that like but but that is something you get only from being a warlock and you have to take that specific feature yeah i want to say there's like somewhere where you can double the range of like a certain spells or something i want to say it's a feat that you can get there's yeah there's a feat because my sister utilized that one against me as a dm one time and stopped an encounter before it even began so i will remember that one there you go. Isn't it like sharpshooter? Maybe. I don't. I don't think it's sharpshooter. Look at us. We're bad Dungeons and Dragons peoples. We don't even have our books ready. <laughs> books right here with us. We're bad players. Aha! It's spell sniper. Oh, oh, you're right. I can't believe I forgot that. Oh my god. Well, we were kind of right because like sharpshooter, spell sniper. We had the like right idea. Yeah. It's all the same, man. It's all the same. Just change the wording and throw the word spell in there. <laughs> we're just just a little just a little off. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh the reason why I brought up all the different parts of the spells was so that I could is selfish of me, but I really I love the somatic parts of the spell because uh, finger tutting, which is a thing, it's like taking over uh, the interwebs from time to time in certain corners. Uh, it's basically just like break dancing with your fingers, hands, and arms, and and making like geometric patterns or or different things and making it, it like a dance. And that's what they use for Doctor Strange and shows like the magicians. And yeah. so when I visualize someone casting spells, I basically think of either Doctor Strange. Or I think of the magicians on sci-fi. Yeah. How about you guys? I, I do. I, I like the, the Doctor Strange idea of it too. I kind of, because I know a lot of times it's like finger movements and stuff like that. But I like the idea that you could maybe go like Full Metal Alchemist with it. And maybe like draw some stuff in the ground or something while you're doing it. So it becomes like less of just like a magic hand sort of situation. And more like a full body movement or just like a foot thing where you draw something in the ground maybe or... Or you could draw it in the air, like the way they the way the way they do in actual uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah. But I like the, your idea of like your visual references. Like um, Full Metal Alchemist is another way uh, of interpreting uh, how to cast spells and how to use magic, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of really good inspiration from that that anime. Here's a fun a little fun thought exercise. What color do you guys think of when you think of this spell? I think of green, like a sickly yeah. green, and I don't know why. I think of the exact same. Like Maleficent green? Yeah, a little, maybe a little paler, but kind right. of in that vein. Like, not as quite as neon, a little more muted, but yeah, about like that. I'm right there with you. The only other alternative color I could think of is like a sinister purple. Uh, yeah, I could see that too. Yeah, maybe a combination of the two, actually. You know, those two colors, like intertwined or something like that. I also, like, when I think about it, um, and I think about uh, uh, other ways of casting spells, uh, when you watch Liam O'Brien on Critical Role, uh, when he describes Caleb's spell casting, I, I love it. 
it's 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 so fun to watch someone get into how their character creates spells and makes magic manifest. Uh, I also the visuals that I that uh, I can think of are maybe the mummy uh, and like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade uh, of like withering away, like you're sucking the moisture out of creatures and yeah. plants. Yeah. What do you guys think of? Uh, this is weird, but I kind of think of SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> like you know the episode where he doesn't have the water. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that is that the one where he gets like bleached out or something? Isn't there one like that too? Uh no, there's there's like you mean like the suntan? Yeah, one? where he gets super. There's also yeah. that one. Yeah, and he he like loops back around to being like like there's a secret like level of suntan. That's actually yeah. bleached, and it turns out he's like better than all of them. No, I was <laughs> yeah. thinking of the one where he he goes to Sandy's house for the first time, and she doesn't like realize necessarily that he needs water, and he's too polite to say anything, which is like hashtag yeah. relatable. But he's like all like dry and crumpled up, and like oh, water. So that's kind of like a, that's a dumb thing, but that's kind of what I <laughs> I think of with this spell. <laughs> Absolutely. As soon as you said it, I could not but not yeah. think about it. <laughs> So yeah, thank you for that. That's great. Oh man, what about you, Lewis? Um, this is not exactly visual, but it was the name of the spell that triggered this memory in my head, and it was when John Travolta was trying to pronounce Adina Menzel's name at the Oscars. Oh uh, this God. was like several several years ago, so it's kind of a dated reference a bit. I don't know. People still reference. I heard somebody reference it the other day. So you're not. That's not that outdated. All right, cool. So, but he said Adele Dazim instead of saying, <laughs> instead of saying uh, Adina Menzel, which that is a hard name to pronounce. I will give him uh, yeah. somewhat, uh, you know, credit or not credit, but like somewhat of a pass uh, for that. Um, although he totally butched in, just gave her a totally different name. And she got to do her um, little revenge on the, I think it was the following Oscars or some other award ceremony. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, that just popped into my head because the name is just so unique. As far as visual, though, I always tend to go to like uh, some like maybe Disney film or some some sort of animation where you see the big bad evil guy pass and you just in the forest or something and you just see the plants withering away as he walks by or she walks by. That's kind of the visuals that come to mind. Absolutely. I can see that. I appreciate that both of you have like humorous examples in your mind when you think of this spell because if you think about what this spell's doing and it is a powerful spell especially being this first spell we're talking about but it we're, we are breaking them down alphabetically but you are drawing the moisture of all living creatures in a 30 foot cube um, it sounds awful and it's 12d8 necrotic damage yeah, that's a lot of damage. Like, I mean, it is an 8th level spell, so it makes sense. But, like, rolling 12 of anything, like, that's a lot. Like, someone's gonna die. There's a good chance, yeah. Especially if you have something, like, a little squishier, like a wizard. Like, yeah. they have D6s for their hit dice. Like, that's not gonna take much to knock them down anyways. But when you have something this powerful, especially if they don't have a good constitution, like, oof. Yeah, I can relate <laughs> playing a <laughs> wizard. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what? Okay. So I guess I'll ask this question. Well, we've already talked about like what was our initial impressions or reactions. Um. 
So now after kind of fully reading the spell and the description, does it match up to the name? Does it, you know, was it what you thought it was going to be? Absolutely. Horrid wilting to me instantly creates visuals of like, like what you said, like cartoons, that trope of like the bad guy moving through foliage and that foliage withering away and turning to dust and, you know, blowing away. I would say it's almost worse for me because when I think of wilting, I just think of like, oh, sad droopy flowers. Like, okay, maybe, (laughs) you know, did something to the plants. But like, no, no, that can apply to human beings and and tieflings and and things like that, too. Like, that's uh, almost worse than what I would have initially thought. Yeah, definitely. I would have to agree. Like, just when I hear the word wilting, I just think of like of a like almost a comical like little plant just going and just like, like, you know, (laughs) I will say, though, that I had an initial impression that this was probably going to be bigger, like, just from the name. Because if you think about it, like, a lot of the the spells that are named after somebody, even if you don't know who the person is, like, in the lore or whatever, like, they tend to have something a little more unique than a normal spell. Was it Mordenkainen's Magnificent Mansion? Yeah, or, like, Tasha's Hideous Laughter or things like that. They're They're always, like you know, to a certain extent on par with other spells, but it's almost like they always have a little, that personal twist or something. Yeah. So I think you can tell by this one that it's going to be a little bit more than you bargained for just, just by the name, just because it's named after somebody. I have to say, do you think that this is a spell that, like, I mean, we, we could talk, and we plan to talk eventually about more, like, ooh, is this an evil spell? Is this a good spell? Because it's necromancy, blah, blah, blah. But do you think that a character, like, that's lawful good, like they probably wouldn't take this even if they don't consider necromancy bad right? like like there's got to be some like line that you have to cross because i mean granted if you think about it like all spells are damaging in some way but this is a particular form of cruelty to it mm-hmm. so i feel like maybe like lawful good characters would probably not touch this is it because of the nature of the spell but i mean let me ask you a question if that lawful good character has fireball and they set it off in a crowd it would do the same amount of damage i mean it would be cruel and it would be an evil use of said spell i i don't i agree with you i i I think there is something to this and and i i do agree that that would make a great it more in-depth topic but i i have to say there is something about pooling the moisture and it does say if the plants are non-magical such as trees and shrubs they die instantly so living things are being murdered instantly things that can't help but just be there are going to be killed. Yeah. Plus, using it against living creatures, like if you're the player and you're fighting a bunch of, I don't know, orcs or something, and you use this on them, I don't know if, if I would say that this is more cruel than using an 8th level fireball. I think a lot of it kind of depends on, like, part of the DM's flavoring, but I think, like, a lot of it is because, like, it's, it's a cube, again, like, that, you know, non-magical plants, you know, it is kind of the same as fireball, like, plants might be burned or whatever, but there's part of that, and then I think another part of that, too, is, like, as a DM, would you then have after effects of, like, say they survived it and won the battle or something like that, like, would they then be, like, you know, exhausted from it or something like that, whereas a fireball might be, like, merciful and just, like, end it? Well, that's an interesting, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I, I think we can definitely get into the specifics of that whenever we do make an episode on necromancy and we can really debate this spell versus that spell and what is considered evil and what's not. Um, We'll definitely have that uh, at a later date. I definitely will say this. If I have a bad guy that's powerful enough to have an 8th level slot and it makes sense for them to have this spell, I would definitely give it to them because it has that flavor. 
I, I'm not saying that it's not evil or that it isn't that or that it isn't new or it's neutral. I'm not saying one way yeah. or the other. I'm just saying I would definitely give this to a bad guy. You know what I would be interested to see as a concept? What's that? Like a druid that used this spell because like, you know, druids are, a lot of druids stereotypically are very much so like, you know, preserve life as much as you can. But if you were to use this in a, like have a a forest setting with this, like would the druid, you know, be willing to, to kill these plants in this area just to get at maybe this one person or something like that? Like, I think that could be an interesting concept, both as either uh, just a regular player or a villain. Like, where does the lion on that go? I mean, obviously they can't have it. But it would be an interesting concept. With one of their powerful spells is blight, and it doesn't function the same way with drawing moisture out, but it does poison and taint. And I think Marisha Ray of Critical Role again uh, has talked about that, and and how at one point Keith was debating on whether or not she should actually take that spell because of the nature of it. Yeah, that's interesting thought too, as well. Like, what type of characters would use it, and what wouldn't. Um, what I wanted to point out that we haven't talked about yet is the part where it says constructs and undead aren't affected by this spell. So in my mind, that really plays with the whole lich theme or like, you know, this big bad evil guy who has a lot of undead uh, at his disposal or has an undead army and he can he can use this spell as like a you know necromancy bomb if you will and his undead won't be affected while everyone else in the fray will that's a good point no comment oh gosh stop giving him ideas lewis (laughs) sorry oh no i already started picking out his spells and i always start with the high level ones because then you can fill out what like those are your bombs and then you need like all your like control and your manipulate and you know protection DM tip real quick. If you're building a powerful villain that has spells, think about like the shocking, more powerful. Like this is like your bad guy is trying to get away and here's the spell that they're going to use. And if it's like a sixth or seventh level spell, it might be something like disintegrate. It could also be a teleport. It could be anything. But always think about that before going back and picking like the quick little damaging little low level stuff. That's my tip. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point so but i just feel like you know this spell really has a certain flavor to it and it fits certain people in certain instances very well it definitely has a good flavor of like i'm a bad guy and here i am using this spell constructs too i mean it could be like a bunch uh, a wizard that just has a bunch of like shield guardians and other things like that and like iron golems and so when they attack they they use this spell because it won't affect their constructs yeah that's a good point as well or that kind of leads into what i was saying is that that could be an interesting like if you have a character that's going through like some issues and they're starting to maybe turn evil or something like that or or they're conflicted like having them take that spell and not tell anybody else at the table and then all of a sudden cast that that's so out of character for them could be a really interesting and dramatic moment of like, oh my God, what is he doing type of thing. So I, I think you could have some real fun potential with that. Yes, I love that idea. Another impor- important fact along with what you said is every creature. You don't, it doesn't, the spell doesn't say you choose which creatures. Every creature. 
So if you throw it down and allies are danger close, you might hurt your allies. Yeah, can't warp that one to your choosing. Yeah, and as a wizard, um, like if you're, and I just know this because I play wizard, but like if it's a evocation spell, uh, you can uh, form pockets of like safety. Uh, this is part of the class feature. And so that would work if it was an evocation spell, but this is a necromancy spell. So I don't believe there would be any protection for any allies if they were in the area. Yeah, no. And and it's the evocation wizards. Uh, one of their features is that they can sculpt the the damage of their spells to, or or pick or is it no? It's they pick the the people who succeed. Correct. As far as what I was talking about, it's uh, you get to choose like so many people within the area that you don't want to be affected by the spell, and that's it. They don't have to make a saving throw or anything like that. Yeah, they automatically succeed. Mm-hmm. Right, and so if it's like a rogue, they they don't take any damage because they automatically succeed, and if they succeed and they're a, a high enough level, then they take no damage. If you would take half damage, instead you take none. Right. It is That is a great archetype slash subclass for the wizard. Well, that was a great spell for our first spell to jump into and kind of like talk about all the different inner workings of it and different components. Thank you for listening to this episode of Arcane Explained. You can follow us at Arcane Explained on Twitter. You can follow me at Casting Cantrips. And you can follow me at Kirsten Geddes. That's K-I-R-S-T-E-N-G-E-D-D-E-S. The next time you cast Abi Dazim's Horde Wilting, you'll be casting with confidence. Bye! Bye. spell for it i don't know why i said that that way kirsten would you like to read this the spell Uh, (laughs) it's okay it's okay yeah i think that's i don't really know how to transition from that to anything else but that's what that is for anybody who is listening to this that doesn't know what that is and I think there's, uh, I would say, let's go ahead and jump into, uh, I don't have my, oh yeah, I do. I do have my player's handbook. Oh, like to make like a, an edit, to make an easy edit. Close enough. Ooh. Or in the air. I guess you could be like with a barp. <laughs> this is, that's so dumb. Oh, when when he gets all, um, what? I guess we could, well, okay. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> our DM is like huh. sub sub. All right, I'm just gonna say it. I'm not gonna say nothing else other than thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, I it doesn't really matter too much to me. I would break it up not too much except for when we're talking about ourselves as much as possible just because that gets a little awkward of like okay now it's your turn and now it's my turn so (laughs) well i didn't expect us to uh nope
I think. What do? What do? That doesn't make sense. What does? Yeah, what, what do they all have in common? What do like, they? What do, yeah. do yeah. is plural. Yeah. Sorry, my my English is like. Good. <laughs> my, I'm my, glad. Uh, I thought you wanted Thank the you. person to say, what do? <laughs> what do? <laughs> what do you? What do? <laughs> what do? Okay, I don't want to sound too. Should we sound it? Make it sound cheesy? Like I don't know. What do they have in common? What do SpongeBob, John Travolta, and Indiana Jones all have in common? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> they caught me off guard. I was like, "What?" <laughs> I kind of want to keep that. I kind of just want to keep that and us laughing, and that's it. <laughs> Sorry for all the editing you're going to have to do.